This delicious, delectable dessert can be done up and dished out in diverse ways. It comes in a vast range of varieties and flavors, from bold and bitter to sickly sweet. Some folks with a sweet tooth are downright addicted to this timeless, tasty treat. Join me as we check out chocolate on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI, and this one is dedicated to all the chocolate lovers out there, and I am not one of them. Nope, I am not a chocolate lover. I have to admit it. I don't want to be a party pooper. Un agua fiestas. But it isn't my cup of tea. No es lo mío. Now, that doesn't mean you won't catch me eating a chocolate bar. But I'm not this kind of person who craves chocolate. And we've already started off with some really good vocabulary. To crave, tener el antojo. And a craving is el sustantivo. Now, remember, if you want to learn about chocolate or any other topic, there are so many episodes of FYI available. All you have to do is subscribe, or as they say now, follow wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iVox, Stitcher, Deezer, you name it, we are there. And if you haven't rated the show, give us a five-star rating, leave a comment, because as you know, it makes it more visible. And the more people that discover this show, the better. Because remember, in the end, it's just me. It's a one-man show. I produce it. I get some help with the editing, with the post-production. But in the end, the final cut is mine. So it's made with TLC, Tender Loving Care. And always remember, you can get a bonus episode. So instead of just getting one episode of FYI every week... You can get an additional episode. Plus, you can be in class with me when we review the key vocabulary in each episode. Plus, we have monthly master classes. We have all kinds of things, all kinds of benefits or advantages. Another way to say it, perks for our patrons. So I want to send a shout out to all my patrons, especially my super duper students, Marta. Candy, Lina, Javier, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, Edgar, and Aina. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Isa, Paco, Diego, and Carmen. What a wonderful community we have. If you guys want to find out more, go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso, and you'll get so much more than just a bonus episode. As I said, depending on what level you're in, you can have classes with me every week. And you can ask my students, we are all making progress. Well, me as a teacher, I hope I'm still making progress. I hope I'm not done 
growing. If you want more information, go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and find out about the bonus episodes, the accompanying vocabulary sheets, and classes, and so much more. It's all at patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. All right, well, today we're going to start with dessert. Uh, a teacher taught me how to remember this. Dessert tiene dos eses, not like desert, desierto, que tiene una S. Pero sin embargo, ojito, el verbo desertar sí que se pronuncia como postre. So he said he's going to desert the military and be a dessert chef. Sí, ese sí, ese desertar, pero desierto is desert. But always remember, postre tiene dos eses. ¿Por qué? Because who doesn't want a second helping of dessert? Let's take a look at our intro and extract all the interesting vocabulary. In the beginning, I said delicious. I'm sure you know that word. Just be careful you don't say delicious because it's delicious. Repeat it with me. Delicious. If that's difficult, that ending, you know you can just say delish. We say it all the time. This delicious, delectable dessert can be done up. And to be done up is another way of saying to be made or to be prepared. And dished out. And to dish something out is to serve it. The word dish is plato. It can be dished out in diverse ways. It reminds me of an expression, the word to dish out. Oh, you can dish it out, but you can't take it. It's about somebody who likes to pick on other people. Meterse con otra gente, pero luego... Cuando se meten con ellos, you know it. I think we all know people like that. So you can dish it out, but you can't take it. But today we're talking about dishing out some dessert. And the word diverse, you can pronounce it diverse or diverse. Both are okay. Then I said it comes in a vast range. Una amplia gama. A vast range or a wide range of varieties. Let's pronounce that word. Varieties and flavors. From bold, and bold is fuerte. It's another way of saying strong. And bitter, bitter, you know, from bittercas, amargo, to sickly sweet, which is empalagoso. Then I said some folks with a sweet tooth. And are you one of those folks? Are you one of those people that has a sweet tooth? Que eres goloso? Well, some people are downright addicted to this timeless, tasty Treat. Timeless, atemporal, tasty, delicioso. Treat es una sorpresa, algo bueno, algo rico. And the word downright is total, absoluto, sumamente. Some people are downright addicted to this timeless treat. And we call those people chocoholics. That's right. Oh, and before we go on, we've got to get something out of the way. Did I say chocolate? Chocolate, three syllables? No, I said chocolate. Chalk, like tiza, no chocolate, chocolate. ¿Ves? El problema es eso. Quiere decir la gente late o quiere meter ese o. Pero es ninguno. Es chalk, tiza, lit. Chocolate. No, porque, claro, es, no es a lit, it's lit. Chocolate. Dos sílabas. Just like family. I imagine this omission happens because we're used to saying these words very often and very quickly. 
Then we heard somebody munching, to munch. That's another way of saying to eat, but usually it means pretty loudly. Yeah, I don't like people who chew too loud. Masticar en alto. But we're not here to talk about my pet peeves, las cosas que no me gustan a mí. Although I did say before that I'm not a huge chocolate fan, I am going to tell you about some of my favorite candy bars in the United States. And we're going to learn a lot of vocabulary there, too. But this is not about me. This is bigger than me. This is about chocolate. Chocolate is huge. How huge is it? Well, World Chocolate Day is July 7th. That's right, July 7th, because supposedly that was when it was first brought to Europe. July 7th, 1550. But like with many origin stories, we'll see that chocolate can be traced back to a lot of different civilizations. But that's not it. We've got July 28th, which is National Milk Chocolate Day, and we'll talk about that when we talk about the different kinds of chocolate. September 13th is International Chocolate Day. Chocolate lovers, are you marking your calendars? Then you've got National Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day. Wow, that's very specific. That's on November 7th, or it falls on November 7th, se puede decir. Oh, and don't forget about January 31st, the last day of the year. I thought you couldn't share holidays, but I guess it's New Year's Eve, but it's also National Hot Chocolate Day. So as you can see, chocolate is all the rage. Es la moda. And it's always been since it began. So let's go back to the origins of chocolate. I guess we should start off by saying that chocolate was originally prepared as a drink. It didn't become hard or it didn't get its candy bar form until much later. So when we talk about chocolate in the early days, we are talking specifically about liquid chocolate. There was a vessel, a vessel es un recipiente, that was found at an Olmec archaeological site. This was on the Gulf Coast of Veracruz, Mexico. And this dates back to, are you ready for this? 1750 B.C., 1750 antes de Cristo. Also on the Pacific coast of Chiapas, Mexico, a Mocaya archaeological site provided evidence of cocoa beverages dating even earlier to 1900 B.C. So as I said, it can be traced back to a lot of different civilizations, but it's been around since the beginning of recorded history. I mean, think about that. 1900 BC, and they found residue, this kind of residue that was on this vessel. And there was cocoa. And this is interesting. We're going to talk about the ingredients. What's the difference between cocoa and cacao? Well, I guess it depends on where you live. And originally, it was an alcoholic drink. What they did is they would take the white pulp that's around the cocoa beans, and they used it as a source of fermentable sugars. Fermentar, same thing. Fermentable sugars. 
And of course, you leave that, you let it sit for a while, and you've got yourself an alcoholic beverage. And we still see that today. Nowadays, you can get chocolate beers. They're very common, in fact. Even the hieroglyphs of the Maya people stated that chocolate was used for ceremonial purposes. So it was part of their ceremonies, of their traditions, and even their everyday life. The Maya people grew cacao trees in their backyards, like Americans with apple trees. And they used the cocoa seeds, the seeds are las semillas, that the trees produced to make a frothy, bitter drink. Again, very different from the chocolate we know today. It was extremely bitter and it was very frothy. And frothy is like a beer, que tiene mucha espuma. And the Mesoamericans, you want to talk about taking this stuff seriously? They used it as currency, como divisa. And then, as with everything, it made it over to Europe. And what did the Europeans think? They weren't big fans of it. Yeah, they didn't like it at first. They said it was too bitter. They said, you know, this is, it's got potential, but maybe we've got to sweeten it up. Endulcorar, uh, me cuesta esa palabra. We've got to sweeten it up because sweet es dulce. So the verb is to sweeten. So some Spanish friars Frailes, these religious figures, they decided that they were going to sweeten it up a little bit, you know, to make it a little bit more tasty, more marketable, I guess. And they were responsible for introducing it around the European continent. What they did is they would take it to different monasteries. And since they added sugar, people started to like it more. And we know the rest. The rest is history. But we're going to talk about other significant milestones in the chocolate verse. <laughs> the chocolate verse, the chocolate universe. A few important people in the timeline. There was a guy named Van Houten, his last name Van Houten, a Dutch guy and Duchess Hollandes. And in 1828, he was the first one to press the bean. It's interesting. We call it a cocoa bean, just like we call it a coffee bean. We don't say semilla seed, at least not in this case. So he was the first one to press the bean and to make butter and powder from this bean, but separately. He was able to separate this butter and this powder. And also, just like many other Europeans, he sweetened it up a bit. And this was very, very important for the process, being able to separate that butter from that powder. Then along came Joseph Ryan with J.S. Fry and Sons. And him and his candy shop concocted what they called eating chocolate. We know it today as our modern chocolate bar or candy bar. And this was in 1847. So as you see, 1828, 1847, this was a big boom. Also, Daniel Peter in 1875 what he did was he added condensed milk and created what we know as milk chocolate. So, so many milestones right on top of each other. 1828, we separate the butter and the powder. 
1847, Joseph Ryan and his sons, I guess, find a way to turn it into a bar and call it eating chocolate. And they do that by combining the cocoa butter, the sugar, and the chocolate liqueur. Now, it's a little bit different than what we know today. This was a little bit grainier, but it was solid. It was the first solid candy bar. Then, as I said, Daniel Peter, 1875, he said, we got to do something here. We got to sweeten it up. We've got a lot of milk in Switzerland. Why don't we add some condensed milk? And that became, as I said, the key ingredient to what is, I think, the most popular chocolate. I mean, people love dark chocolate, but milk chocolate, I think, is the king. And people in Switzerland love their chocolate. They're not just famous for it, but they love it. An average person in Switzerland, a Swiss person, eats over 22 pounds of chocolate per year. That's 10 kilos. Oh, man, you're going to get an upset stomach. Another breakthrough in the early 1900s, Henry Nestle. Does that name ring a bell? I mean, I think when you hear the word Nestle, you think of chocolate. Well, in the bonus part, we're going to find out that the word nestle actually means something, but it's not pronounced Nestle like this person's name or the brand. And they also experimented with adding milk powder, and they also found a way both Henry Nestle and Milton Hershey, they were two people who were really pioneers because they found a way to make it tasty, inexpensive, and available to everybody. So that's why now the names Nestle and Hershey are synonymous with chocolate. And we're going to talk about Hershey a lot in the second part because Hershey is so popular that there's a town called Hershey, Pennsylvania, and they have their own theme park. That's how big chocolate is. Also, we couldn't talk about chocolate without talking about Lindt. Rodolf Lindt, who was a Swiss chocolate maker. There's the Swiss again. And he founded the Lindt brand of chocolate. Now, that's okay. What, what's so special about that? Well, he invented what is called the conching or conking. I've actually heard it pronounced both ways. Don't worry, it's not a very common word. But it's the conking or conching machine. And this is a machine that found a way to improve the quality of the chocolate. And so all of these breakthroughs, as I said, they happened really in the same 20 years or so. It was a huge moment for chocolate. It was becoming global. But it's not easy to make chocolate. I was taking a look at the process to share it with you guys here, and I was like, um, how do I explain that if I can't even understand it myself? So the process of making chocolate is a very elaborate process. Let me try and sum it up without going into detail. First, you've got to clean it, then you got to roast, well, the, the, the cocoa beans, you got to roast them, tueste, tostar, you got to roast them, you got to remove the shell then after that, quitar la cáscara, then you got to grind them up, molerlos, separate the butter, as we said, that was a huge uh, step, a huge breakthrough. Uh, also, you've got all your other ingredients you got to add after, then you let it cool, then you heat it, then you let it cool again, and it's got to be kept at the exact temperature. It is a very painstaking 
process. And we almost forgot to talk about the ingredients. What's in chocolate? Well, anything. You can put anything. You can put chili peppers in chocolate if you want. And in fact, that's actually getting very, very popular. Spicy chocolate, salty chocolate. But the main ingredients, to be able to call it chocolate, is cacao beans, cocoa butter, sugar, milk powder. Okay, now this is used obviously in milk chocolate and also in white chocolate. But white chocolate is an imposter. What? Yeah, well, it doesn't contain cocoa solids or the chocolate liqueur we talked about before. So, sorry, white chocolate. You don't make the grade. No das la talla. But in white chocolate's defense, it does contain parts of the cacao bean. And that's mainly from the cocoa butter. Other ingredients, uh, sugar, of course, honey, vanilla. Yeah, even some dark chocolate recipes that I looked at contained vanilla. And then, well, maybe you're nuts about nuts. <laughs> maybe you're nuts about nuts. Quizás te flipan los nueces, los frutos secos, I think you say. Well, you can add anything, walnuts, almonds, I mean, even fruit. You can dip the fruit in chocolate. Oh, how good are those cherries that are dipped in chocolate? Is anybody else getting hungry? I told you before I wasn't a huge chocolate fan, but I am getting hungry. Well, let's talk about these cocoa or cacao beans. The difference is people use them interchangeably, but cocoa would be the American way to say it, and cacao would be the Spanish. But a lot of Americans say Cacao. It's one of those things that has become as universal as the chocolate itself. And you can't have chocolate without these beans. And these beans come from the cacao tree, which is very delicate, very finicky, muy tiquismiquis. Farmers lose, on average, 30% of their cacao tree crop every year. The word crop is cosecha. And some cacao trees are more than 200 years old. But, as I said, they're finicky. The only ones that produce the marketable cocoa beans are in the first 25 years of their life. So after 25 years, they're really not used to make chocolate. Also, the farmer has to wait four or five years for a cacao tree to produce its first beans. So let's put it this way. If you're looking to plant something or to have a crop with a very fast yield, yield is lo que produce, cocoa beans are not your thing. Oh, and another fun fact, we'll look at some more in the bonus part, but the Theobroma cacao is the name of the tree that produces these, and it means food of the gods. So as you can see, a lot has to happen so that you can enjoy that candy bar. But folks, as they say, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. But here on FYI, you know exactly what you're gonna get. You'll experience an interesting, entertaining, informative English class. And I sure hope you'll join us in the bonus episode of today's FYI.